Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. This is your NFL Week 5 Best Bets episode. Your host, Brendan Glasheen. Today, Joined, as usual, by three Action Network experts who will be going through their three favorite bets for the upcoming Week 5 Sunday-Monday slate. As a reminder, you can follow along on the Action app by following our account, Action Network NFL Picks. Those four words will get you to what we discuss on this episode and episodes in the future. 21-13-2 is our record one month into the season Nice work by Brandon Anderson in week four, a 3-0 sweep to keep us over 500. Joining Brandon today, Luke Swain, otherwise known as Vegas Refund, and Jill Gallant is back. As a reminder, you can catch Jill Sunday mornings hosting the Touchdown Show, 10.30 a.m. Eastern, streaming live on the Action app, Action Network HQ Twitter, and you can also find Jill and company on the Action Network YouTube page. Before we get to picks, just want to do some news and notes, some nuggets before we start. Underdogs keep rolling. They're off to a great start, similar to last year, 38-25-1 against the spread. So we'll see if we have more dogs in our picks today. Unders continue to roll, 38-26 and 26 for the season. Unders at night have been doing well as well, 9-4 and four to the number. So those are some things to keep in mind. And the Atlanta Falcons are the lone team undefeated against the spread through the first month of the year. I don't know if we'll have Atlanta in our picks. So let's get there, shall we? Our first best bet of the day will come from Brandon. But as a reminder, these guys have not consulted one another before starting this record. So there could be some overlap. There may be some contradictions. It's every man for himself here on these best bets. So without further ado, Brandon Anderson, your first pick, please. Yeah, I'm going to start us off with a favorite. I'm going to back the Miami Dolphins, minus three in New York to play the Jets. Look, we sold high last week on Miami. They were 3-0, flying high, coming into that Thursday night game, and everyone knew that was a bad spot. They were exhausted after the long game in the heat against Buffalo. 
It was a short week on the road. Tua was injured. We knew it was a bad spot. Now they lost as expected. And just as expected, we're buying low. That the, Now we've swung too far the other way and the odds have shifted in our favor here. This line, I think, moved incorrectly on Sunday. It was minus six Dolphins into Sunday. Came out of it minus three. And I remember Miami didn't play. So all that happened Sunday to change things is the mighty Jets won a football game. Way to go, Jets. We're so happy for you. You beat Mitch Trubisky. You beat Kenny Pickett the first time you ever stepped on a football field in the NFL. You beat a team that's an extra point from being 0-4, took a late comeback, and that moved the line by a field goal. I don't see it. I feel like there's value here on Miami. We're itching to see this line move up, and it's been kind of scooting towards that minus three and a half all week. So you want to get that three bet in while you can. Look, I know Tua is out and we got Teddy Bridgewater, but Teddy, I think it's probably the best backup quarterback in the league. He looked fine against Cincinnati. And don't forget, this is a system thing. Mike McDaniel has this offense humming. We still have Tyree Kill. We still have Jalen Waddle up against a bottom five passing DVOA defense. Teddy Bridgewater, a.k.a. Teddy Gloves, a.k.a. Teddy Covers, 42 and 21 against the spread lifetime, 67%, even better on the road, 24 and six ATS, 80% road cover rate lifetime. Dolphins have won four in a row against the Jets, eight out of the last nine. I think this line a week ago might have ended up closing at a touchdown. We're getting out of a field goal, so I have to like the value. I will back the Dolphins on the road to cover. Straight up when Bridgewater filled in for Drew Brees just a few years ago now, that was encouraging the way he stepped in and helped that team stay in the race. And also just using recency bias, I don't care. That throw he made on third down last Thursday night to me was like, okay, Teddy's a solid backup, came right in, uncomfortable situation, we're all aware of it, makes a third and long completion to extend a drive. The Dolphins were alive in that game against the Bengals despite the fact Cincinnati covered and Brandon laid it out nicely there with the record he has against the number Teddy covers indeed Luke Swain your first best bet please yeah so my first one I'm gonna go the Patriots minus three taking on the Lions at home um, where this is really somewhat of a fade to the Lions who have played all four of their games indoors against some defenses that are pretty poor um, where the perception of the Lions right now is they are this air raid. They're putting up 30 points a game. Jared Goff is revitalized, et cetera, where I think they go into New England against a head coach in Bill Belichick, obviously, who knows him very well and might have ruined him when he was on the Rams, if anyone remembers the Super Bowl. Um, Patriots, Rams was ended 13-3, to where I just see this as a total game perceptionally that the Patriots are going to look a lot better than they actually are. And – the Lions have looked a lot better than they actually are. And I just totally see minus three being value um, where it's somewhat of one of those lines. that just doesn't make sense. That makes a lot of sense after you dig in. Um, so I'll just take Patriots minus three at home. Doesn't sound like DeAndre Swift's going to play. Amon Ross St. Brown is questionable. So not only it's a great note on how they've only played indoors, but also their skill guys being out. You're not facing a softest puppy poo defense in Seattle, but yeah, Philly, Washington, both at home at mini and then home to Seattle. That's the slate so far for the Detroit lions. Joe Gallant's back. What's up, Joe? What's your first best bet? 
All right, guys, I got a real gross one here. And if I had to compare it to something, it's kind of like if I like went on fear factor and then just swallowed like random animal dick just to make a few bucks. That's what this pick feels like. And it's the Cardinals plus five and a half. And I like the Cardinals here mainly because of the number. If this was less than three, no way am I playing it. But I like that we're covering the three or four here. And I think it's going to be a closer game than people realize. Like the Cardinals, obviously, you know, we, you just have to ask Brandon Anderson what we think of the Cardinals and you can find out pretty quickly, but kind of what the consensus is of the Cardinals out there that they've been a bit, bit a mess. And, but the one thing that I've been, they've been pretty good at stopping the run only 87 yards per game. That's fifth in the NFL, the fifth in opponent rushing first downs allowed. I think that's going to be able to slow down this Eagles offense a little bit because what do the Eagles love to do? They love to run the ball and left tackle Jordan Mailata. Uh, he's dealing with a shoulder injury. He may not play this weekend. And if the Eagles have to start passing, I do like my chances here for the Cardinals to keep it close. Now, I did dig up a couple of trends. I do feel a little trend FOMO here sometimes when Brandon brings them up. Uh, but uh, Cardinals, 19-9-2 ATS in uh, 30 games as a dog under Kingsbury. 5-3 uh, and three ATS when they're home dogs of three or more. 8-2 and two straight up and against the spread in their last 10 October games because this is a team that usually starts strong and then fades near the end. But I will say I did... Brandon, I have, still have to give you credit. I did steal one of your trends uh, just from your article that you did write on the Action Network, just kind of recapping and previewing this week's games. And even though you did end up passing on this game, I still saw this trend and thought I had to use it. Um, Kingsbury, 12-0-1 ATS as an underdog against coaches who haven't won a Super Bowl, including 10-2-1 straight up. And these were his words, not mine. Loves Nick Sirianni, but he ain't won a ring yet. So Cardinals plus five and a half is my first pick of week five. All right. Very good. Again, Eagles are 4-0 for the first time since 2004. And uh, they had not done that before 04 in the early 90s. So their last 5-0 start was the 04 Super Bowl season. Hopefully for Kyler, there's no video game update and the homework gets done mm-hmm. in time to hang in this game. Let's go back to Brandon Anderson for pick two. I had to do it. I got to fade my Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to take the Chicago Bears, my local Bears, plus seven and a half on the road in Minnesota. So key thing to look at here, I have an article up at Action Network breaking down what happens to a team when they play football in London and then don't have that bye week afterward. We've only seen that five times ever before this week. We've got both teams now, Vikings and the Saints in that spot this week. And what I found from my research, not only five games, so small sample, of course, but what I found is that we see what you would expect to see, a tired, a jet-legged team that those teams are three and two to the under on their team total, allowing opponents four and one to the over on their team total. And all five post-London teams were tied or trailing in the fourth quarter the following week. So I think this is a great Great situational spot for the Bears. The Vikings, three and the one, they're a bit overvalued right now. They beat up on the Packers week one. We know that's kind of a post-preseason thing where the Packers have not really been playing their guys. But since then, they got destroyed by the Eagles. And then they beat, yay, the Lions and the Saints. One in three teams in the last minute that they needed escapes to get off the field for. The Bears are not a good team. This is not a play on, hey, I think the Bears are good. I do not think the Bears are good. However, I do think the Bears are good at running the ball, and the Vikings have not stopped the run well. So you give Khalil Herbert some run, maybe David Montgomery if he's healthy. 
The Bears also have Jalen Johnson, solid corner, to match up with Justin Jefferson. And I think the Chicago can get their pass pressure home. The Vikings also allow some big explosive plays. So even though Justin Fields only throws like once a quarter, maybe you connect on a long ball or two. And then there's this stat. First five weeks of the season, division underdogs of six or more points, 81, 55, and two against the spread, 60% cover rate. The Bears play the Vikings tough. They've won five of the last eight, even though Chicago's never very good. And these games are usually close. We've got four one-score games out of the last five in the rivalry. So I love this, especially now that we get the hook. Chicago plus seven and a half. Get it at the hook if you can. It's been sitting at seven almost all week. So grab the Bears to keep this one close on the road. I've come to find out, Brandon, in your research also, is this is this true that it's a choice for the team if they want to buy after London, they can take that and they chose not to? It is. Yeah, I don't know when that switched. I believe it used to just be mandated that teams yep. just automatically had a bye week. But of course, most London games tend to be early in the season, around this time of the year. You want the, the late bye week. Like any NFL team wants to rest week 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. Once you've had you know the injuries, you need a chance to take the week off. So you have to make that choice. Do I want the early bye week and the rest after London? Or do I want to wait till I might need it longer? We've got these two teams this week. We've got two more next week. London game, Packers-Giants this Sunday. They don't take the week off the week after. So my instinct is we might see teams make very different choices a year from now if this goes poorly for these four teams here. Looking forward to seeing what that looks like for the Giants and the Packers and their respective numbers in the following week. Justin Fields, 4-10 and 10 against the spread as a starter, 3-9 and nine against the number as a dog. But Brandon likes he and the Bears' chances to turn this around. Let's go to Luke for his second pick. So my second one is going to be Ravens minus three on Sunday night football against the Bengals, which to me, this is just a two and two Ravens team that very easily could be four and oh or three and one if it wasn't for two comebacks by the Dolphins and the Ravens. So perceptionally, when you look at the blackboard and you see a two and two team, uh, I do think if they're four and oh or three and one, the line would be a lot higher. And they're facing a Bengals team that lived off the big play last year and really is struggling to do the same this year. Uh, whether it is because Joe Mixon just isn't getting any yards where they can't set these big plays up for with the run. Uh, Joe Mixon's averaging, I think, less than three yards a carry. Um, and then you go to the Bengals have faced, where if you look at the quarterbacks of Bengals have faced, you got Cooper Rush, Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky, and then Tua slash Teddy. So when you go from that crew of quarterbacks to Lamar Jackson, uh, that is a step up in class to me. Um, and the Bengals looked pretty bad against the Dolphins. Honestly, they did cover, thankfully. But I think if Tua played that entire game, the Dolphins would have won easily. Uh, they probably should have at least covered even with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, but Ravens minus three coming off another tragic loss on Sunday Night Football. That's it. Okay. Very good. So you like the, the Ravens to bounce back. This team is going to be annoying, just for the record. Like, your bet <laughs> might hit, but they're just the, the ebbs and flows of the Ravens. And I'm not even talking – we haven't even mentioned John Harbaugh's decision-making on fourth down and, I mean, and the, I, collective, the collective we when he mentions the analytics crew in Baltimore. I think – I honestly I, – I saw – there was a tweet, which with, like, Twitter topics, it's impossible to go back. But it's like they've led – like, they've had a lead – for all but like 10 minutes this entire season. That's crazy. 
That's nuts. All that matters is when it hits those zeros. So Baltimore has got to close these things out. Yep. Yep. Okay. Joe Gallant, second best bet. All right. We're going to go to the Chargers and Browns. And I'm going to take the over 47 and a half. And part of the reason is, is that the Chargers are just one of these teams that are a classic over team. Like they've got a defense that's struggling, giving up 27 points per game, three touchdowns per game. That's 24th in the NFL. The points per game is 31st in the NFL. I mean, they just let the Texans score 24 on them. And that's a season high for the Texans, by the way. <laughs> just wanted to bring that up. Also, their run defense, pretty bad so far. Nine rushing touchdowns allowed. They're second in opponent yards per carry. And they're facing the Browns that are top five in that category and rushing yards per game. And uh, I think you, this is going to be a game where you see Nick Chubb go for two or three touchdowns and some long touchdowns too. We watched Damian Pierce run for a 75 yarder on them last week, uh, but the chargers offensively, that's where the upside is for this play. Like they have a top five passing offense still. And uh, whether their team is really good at defending the pass or not, it doesn't really matter for them. They're going to throw and they're going to throw a lot. And the Browns defensive stats is kind of another thing that stood out to me because they're middle of the pack in the NFL defending the pass against these guys, Mitch Trubisky, Joe Flacco, Baker Mayfield, and Marcus Mariota. Not exactly guys that are going to Canton and they're going to be playing Justin Herbert in that offense this week. And if we're just looking even just as last year for recent results, they played last year at SoFi Stadium. Chargers had the over by themselves. They had 47 points and combined for almost 90 points. So, yeah, I love the over 47 and a half in this matchup this year. Okay. Any concern about the Chargers injuries? Like, are you, where you at on Herbert and how Allen looks? Is that well, something you're thinking Her- Herbert about? Herbert did practice on Wednesday. So that's encouraging because he hadn't practiced on a Wednesday since the injury. Uh, I mean, Keenan Allen, obviously that you would like to have him out there, but I think from a receiver standpoint, that's not the issue. I think just right for them right now, it's the play calling and the defense that's been the biggest issue for them. Okay, fair enough. It's a fa- the fate of the defenses here. Um, offense will take care of business. Yeah, and Eckler had one of his better games against Houston. But yes, Chargers suspect defensively that Houston right back in that game. They still covered the spread, but let him right back in it to make it a sweat. Okay, best bet number three, starting with Brandon Anderson. All right, well, we faded the Vikings coming off of that London game, and I'm going back to the same position here. Who the Vikings play? They played the Saints. They're also on a London post-London trip, and I will fade the Saints as well. I'll take Seattle Seahawks plus five and a half on the road in New Orleans. This line doesn't make any sense to me. Like, we talked about all the trends about the post-London team. So, again, that favors Seahawks team total over, Saints scoring under, and Seahawks having a chance late. Seattle's offense, top five offensively in DVOA and EPA per play and success rate. Geno Smith, I noticed this week, is the number one graded quarterback in the NFL at PFF. This offense is playing well. Whether we want to admit it or not, they are showing up. And the Saints defense, the mighty vaunted Saints D that we thought was going to be really good, has been fine. They've been all right. They've been okay. Pass rush is not really getting home. The Saints offense ranks second to last in drive success rate. They can't get on the field long enough offensively to give their defense a chance. Now, maybe Seattle's defense is the perfect solution for that. That's an easy point here, but the Saints have injuries to their quarterback, their running back, their receiver, their left tackle. That's your offense. And New Orleans is a late comeback week one from Owen for themselves. So, This preseason look-ahead line was right at this number. So nothing has moved here. I don't understand that. 
have we watched the Saints or Seahawks for the last month? Seattle's been much better than we thought. The offense is good, and the Saints have been pretty lifeless for the most part and not super competitive in some of their games. So a few trends for you. We know we love the trends. Geno Smith underdog, 63% against the spread. Pete Carroll has a dog, 61%. And then the flip side, Dennis Allen has a favorite, 25% cover rate. Jameis Winston's a favorite if he starts, 31% cover rate. So I like the Seahawks a lot here. I will play the Seahawks team total over. That's that London trend. I'll play Seattle plus five and a half. I'll play Seattle money line too. I think the Seahawks go in and get a win in New Orleans. Sounds like we'll get the red rifle at quarterback again. Michael Thomas did not practice Wednesday, but he's questionable coming in. There's hope there. Yeah, and Seattle's top half of the league in total yards, passing yards, rushing yards, and that PFF stat is on Geno Smith. It's (laughs) wild. (laughs) It's whopping. Okay, Luke Swain, your final best bet. I'm going to go against Brandon here and go Saints minus five and a half. I know coming, coming back from London is a tough trip. But at the same time, you have the Seahawks who just went from Seattle to Detroit, from Detroit back home, and now they're going from Seattle to New Orleans. So to me, so they go from, to recap, they go from Seattle to Detroit, back home to New Orleans with a 1 p.m. game, which to me, that travel that the Seahawks have in this spot equals out the London travel that the Saints have coming home. I mean, Jameis, Dalton, it really doesn't matter to me. I think they're pretty much the same. Um, And you have a historically bad pass defense in Seattle where I know the Saints have injuries, but the Lions had a ton of injuries this past week and they put up 30 plus. To me, this is a game where this is going to be Geno versus the Niners in the second half three weeks ago who failed to score. I'm not saying that the Niners defense, but I think they can bring – the pressure rate that San Fran to, let's say, a poor man's rate. I just think Seattle's defense is so bad, and I have faded them purely based off of their defense multiple times this year, um, and it really is a defense that is going to make an offense look a lot better than they actually are, and we just saw what the Lions did without DeAndre Swift and company um, against Jared Goff last week. And it's just a tough spot where the travel situations pretty much equal out each other for me. So I'll take Saints minus five and a half. You care to respond, Brandon? And by the way, looking at the action app, the money is coming in on Seattle. 62% of the bets, 87% of the money coming in on Seattle plus five and a half. Yeah, I mean, we'll see that it's, it's entirely possible we get to Sunday night and I'm going, what did I do? Geno Smith on the road in New Orleans against a really good defense? What was I thinking? And I think that that's an easy counter argument. I think it might be reductionist though, because look, I pointed out the Geno stat, but if you look at Seattle's offense, they have good weapons. Rashad Penny is playing well. The receivers we know are good. And I think the offensive line is really surprised. They brought in a couple of rookies there. Line has been much better. Like poor Russell Wilson finally got out of Seattle just as we got this great offensive situation. I don't think by any stretch, Geno Smith is the number one quarterback now. I do think that Shane Waldron's offense is actually dealing and setting things up well for a quarterback to just do the right thing and make the right plays and succeed. By the way, Russ doesn't really like to make the right plays, likes to do his own thing. Hmm. So I think that they're setting Seattle up for success and they're doing a lot of these long churning drives. They're getting that four or five yards on first down. They're moving things along. So 
I think they're setting Gino up for success. I like Seattle. I may eat my words when Gino Smith loses to New Orleans. And I'm like, oh, right, Gino Smith. But we shall see. By the way, the Saints are just two and seven straight up and against the number in their last nine home games. And, and Brandon, you, you failed to mention the other weapon they have, right, Jill? It's Will Disley, who is the honorable mention. Anytime <laughs> touchdown score, that leads to Jill's final pick for us. Yeah, and Will Disley is definitely the Seahawks MVP so far. Three touchdowns <laughs> in four games. If you would just blindly bet him, you'd be up like over 11 units in profit taking <laughs> a tight end for the Seattle Seahawks. But I am going to move over to Monday Night Football, and okay. I'm going to be looking at the Chiefs-Raiders game, and I like the Chiefs minus four on the first half spread. And part of the reason is just how strong the Chiefs come out in these games. In 2022, uh, they've won three of the first four halves by four points or more. Uh, they trailed 10-7 to the Chargers and then proceeded to pretty much kick the crap out of them. Uh, but this is an offense that has really consistently started strong. Like they're second in the NFL in first half points per game with 18 opponents are averaging 11 points per game last season. For example, they were second in first half points per game at 15 and a half, whereas opponents averaged around 10.9. And then it also picks up when they're playing at Arrowhead, like in eight home games last year, the chiefs averaged just want to double check this average 16.1 points while opponents only averaged 9.2. So there's a seven-point difference there. And last season against the Raiders, which was a playoff team, by the way, Chiefs just destroyed them each time, combined for 89 total points. They scored the Raiders 35-3 to and 17-10 to in both of those first halves. Also, just putting this out there, seeing Derek Carr's INT prop out there, it's hovering around minus 110. Don't really want to throw out the free money term, but since 2018, he has faced the Chiefs eight times, and he's thrown a pick in seven of them. So you know what to do with that. Okay, very good. Um, really quick, I know we'll recap the picks, but Luke, I meant to ask you about the Patriots. Do you care who the quarterback is? <laughs> it, it, it is funny because if anyone listened to the last week's show, it was great. saying how we don't want to bet against the QB unknown, which Zappy came in um, and he did well, where I really don't think there's any difference between Hoyer and Zappy and I think the Lions, like, I can totally see the Lions defense making Zappy look phenomenal. And then all of a sudden, of course, because everyone wants to overreact, there's this ridiculous QB controversy, which I'm all for, for what it's worth, um, in terms of there being a controversy. But, yeah, I really, I mean, I prefer Zappy, to be honest. I just think there's upside where we, there's a the unknown of having upside where Hoyer, we know we're going to get. Lions defense is going to make either of them look good. Luke's going to be under the weather on Sunday because he's got zappy fever. Yep, he does. <laughs> Brandon, what do you got? Yeah, I was just going to say, too, I'm on the other side of this one because I gave out Lions, I think, on our hot read Sunday night or yes. maybe look ahead. I forget which one, but we talked about, yeah, last Friday when we talked oh, about the Lions yeah. and we were fading Brian Hoyer. I know the answer to the question you asked, Luke. I absolutely, as a Lions better, would prefer Hoyer on the field, not zappy. I know what I'm getting in Hoyer. I'm getting a losing quarterback. Dude is 0-12 since 2016, October, the last time he won a game. I don't know what I'm getting in Bailey Zappi. And I think it's telling that when I expected this line to move toward Detroit, now granted, the Lions lost and the Patriots played close, so that's kind of part of the line movement. But once Hoyer was injured and Zappi came in, this line moved toward New England. Now, I don't agree with that. I still feel good about Detroit. So I guess Luke and I are head-to-head -head on two of these games here. But I would certainly feel better against our guy, Brian Hoyer. I don't feel as good about Bailey Zappi. I think he gives New England a little bit more of a chance. 
more an unknown too. You know what you're getting with Hoyer. You don't really know how to prepare for Zappy. You know, we at the Action Network podcast, we love our Zappy fever. So we're excited to see him out there. And I am less excited to fade Mr. Zappy. Yeah, it's definitely worth discussing. We got to get all the Zappy talk in before Mac <laughs> Jones is back. But yes, big fans of Zappy, Action Network, Big Bets on Campus, our other podcast that covers college football. So uh, yeah, we're all over the Zappy fever. Uh, these days. By the way, Brian Hoyer has not been at practice this week, so it feels like it's going to be zappy, and Mac Jones is moving around, but I wanted to clarify that, because I'm like, how do they not ask him if he cares about the quarterback? And notice how he, he mentioned everything about the Patriots and did not get into the quarterback. That that was I should not have let you get away with that, but I made sure to, to get back to that, so. Daily Zappy. Okay, very good. Before we wrap the show, let's take a quick look at next week's lines for NFL week four. We just talked about it. The look ahead line. We're talking lions Patriots. So we do this because if we like any numbers now, we want to get them now before Sunday's action, Monday's action to get the pick in Brandon, you're on this this week. What do you like? Well, I got to just tail basically the two picks I just made early in the podcast. The dolphins play the Vikings next week. The dolphins are minus one at home. I like Miami. If I believe in the picks we just talked about, if I think Miami goes to New York and takes care of the Jets, like Luke said, they maybe should have won that Thursday night game. That would be an undefeated team. That would be a team flying high that we'd feel very confident in. Meanwhile, if I'm right about the Vikings, they look wah against the Bears, a third straight mediocre opponent. And suddenly we're readjusting a little bit saying, hey, man, this this Dolphins offense is still pretty dangerous with all those weapons. And I don't know about those Vikings these days. I think this line moves a little bit, maybe even to the three or further. That's why I want to grab this on the look ahead. Don't forget, Minnesota still has a bit, bit of that jet lag residue. And now we go to the Miami Heat right before they get to the bye week. So could that be a spot where they just kind of call off the dog? And they're like, you know what? Let's get out of here. Let's get home, get some rest. We, we got through this. Let's get to the back half of the season. And then there's this too, Vikings, second worst defense in the NFL at allowing explosive pass plays. Hey, guess who has explosive pass plays? Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. So if our guy Teddy, who's had a little experience with the Vikings, you might recall, if you can just put the ball up there and let Tyreek and, and Waddle do their thing, I think that the Dolphins will be in a good spot to maybe even run away with something. I wouldn't be surprised to see another a replay of the Eagles-Vikings game we had earlier. So I'm a Vikings fan. I had to wear my purple jersey here to offset the karma. I'm picking twice against the Vikings. Give me Miami minus one on the look ahead. You're being fair. Anyone care to respond to that pick? I feel like just like from like a public relations standpoint, Tua won't be playing. But like we're just assuming Teddy's playing for a couple of weeks, right? I think so. That's that's basically the, right, what you just said. I think I think for the sake of the NFL and everyone involved, yeah. we are expecting Teddy to be on the field a while. Yeah. And Jill, maybe Kirk Cousins throw a pick in the Miami Heat. That sounds fun and promising. It almost <laughs> feels like a layup, but I'm sorry, I don't really disrespect the Vikings <laughs> here in the spot. But uh, yeah, I mean, if Xavier Howard is playing again, he's a little bit banged up. Hopefully, he still plays against the Jets this week. But uh, you know, it's just one of those things that. Uh, you're going to see some players cramp up and it's like they don't consider this Miami heat that we keep talking about every time in September that uh, teams are getting dehydrated and then they're, you know, in and out of plays pretty much the entire second half. By the way, Brendan, you, uh, you asked Luke about the quarterback. So I'll respond and advance the quarterback here Fair too. Enough. Sean Kerner's rankings. He puts out a ranking of, okay, how do we value each quarterback to the spread? 
So these were before the season, to be fair, but Tua was only a one and a half point upgrade on Teddy. Teddy is the highest backup in the league. Teddy is higher than a couple of the starters coming in. So I think the question is, did we see enough in three games from Tua that that line should have moved up a bunch? Did Tua really make the leap? And is that valuable? Because I think that's the line movement we're seeing here. In both Dolphins games, I think the line is down because of Tua being out. I don't believe that. I think Miami's offense made the leap. Mike McDaniel made the leap and all those weapons and the speed did. I think this is an overreaction to Tua against Teddy. I've been totally off the Tua bandwagon forever, but like within those first couple of weeks, like I was definitely starting to come around on him. Like actually, whether that's the new offense or maybe he's just better than I thought he was. Um, where the, if those rankings are preseason, like I personally, I think I would adjust them myself because I was definitely for some, and I was very off of Tua, like, and I have been since the draft and I was very much coming around on him. Yeah. But I think, the, I think that, I think the fair though, the, the fair argument on that is everything's got to go right for that guy. I mean, he even admits he's admitting in press conferences the week of the game that I can't see over the offensive line. So the protection better be good. Hill and Waddle better get open, Gasicki, whoever it may be, and it's all got to go perfect. I don't think we're going to have issues with Teddy Bridgewater seeing over helmets uh, going forward. <laughs> he's, a little, he's a little taller. <laughs> okay, let's recap the picks for week five. So, our week, our week, again, our week six look ahead is Miami at home against the Vikings, minus one. That's the look ahead line. Brandon picking against the Vikings twice on this episode, wearing a Vikings jersey. Brandon's on Miami minus three. The Bears plus seven and a half, and he likes Seattle plus five and a half. Luke is on the Patriots, zappy fever, minus three and a half. He's also got Baltimore minus three on Sunday night, and he's going against Brandon. He likes New Orleans minus five and a half at home, coming back from London. And finally, Jill's got a stinky one. Hold your nose. Arizona plus five and a half against the Eagles. Jill also likes the over in Chargers. Browns 47 and a half, the over. And he's got Kansas City first half minus four and a half. All of the odds again brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. That'll do it here on the Action Network podcast for our week five NFL best bets. Thanks to Brandon Anderson, Luke Swain, Jill Gallant for joining us today. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen. Best of luck with your picks this weekend, everybody. We'll see you again Monday morning right here on the Action Network podcast.